Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. And welcome to the A to Z Sports Big Orange Podcast. I'm Charlie Burris here with my co-host and A to Z Sports Tennessee writer, Zach Reagan. Wherever you listen throughout the world, we thank you so much for listening to us. Zach and I talk everything balls every week here on the Big Orange Podcast. And if you want to hear that every week, go to the A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed on iTunes and Spotify. Go and subscribe there and you won't miss a thing. We drop every Monday morning, and uh, we'll be here for you reviewing every single game, which we actually got to see this week. Really exciting. You can follow us on uh, social media, at Charlie underscore Burris, at Zach TNT, at A to Z Sports on Twitter and Instagram, Facebook.com slash A to Z Sports Nashville, and A to Z Sports Nashville.com for everything that Zach writes. As I already mentioned, Zach, we got to see Tennessee play, and they won, and in celebration... I have this terrible remix of Rocky Top from when Tennessee won the national championship in 1998. It's good stuff. It sounds like 1998 in one single song. Uh, Zach, how you doing? I'm just over the moon about yesterday. Not just the Tennessee game, but just the fact that we got to see SEC football, all conference games. I think that slate of games yesterday has changed everything for me. I tweeted at one point, I can never go back. I can never watch Tennessee Furman. I can never watch Alabama, Missouri <laughs> State. This it ruined it for me. This is this is how it needs to be. I loved it. It was perfect. It was everything I wanted and more. Honestly, and I'm not just saying that because Tennessee won. I, I would have felt very similarly had Tennessee blown it last night, and they very nearly did. Don't make a, a mistake about that. But uh, yes, it was magic. I, I would say relative to what. I thought might be the case in June when we were speculating, oh, it might be this, it might be that, it might not happen at all. I don't I don't know. It was so good. Just a, an entire block of SEC games, a lot of them really good games, really compelling games, great upsets. Some, you know, I, I think a lot of people were kind of shaking rust off. You definitely saw that, but man... It, it was a joy. I, I had a, a great time yesterday watching watching everything. I mean, that, that's the whole thing. There wasn't a game where, you, you know, usually on, a, on any given early season Saturday, you might have a good game, you know, Alabama's playing USC or something like that. That's what it was supposed to be in week one. Uh, but then you flip over and it's Kentucky playing Louisiana Monroe. You, you didn't have you didn't have to compensate like that. You flipped over and it was Kentucky Auburn. You flipped over and it was Georgia Arkansas. It was oh my gosh, it was great. I I couldn't I could not have more of a rave review. I mean, 
early in the season, you get these games like a Georgia playing whoever, Georgia State, and maybe Georgia looks shaky the first quarter, but you know they're going to come out and end up winning by 45 points. And Georgia didn't look that great yesterday against Arkansas. The final score is not a good representation of how that game went. But Georgia's going to get better this year. I mean, they're, I think they're probably a tad overrated because of their quarterback situation, and they have a lot of talent. They should be better. But they're going to be a better team than what we saw yesterday. But when you play an SEC team that first week instead of a team that you can just out-talent even when you're not really playing that well – it makes that game, that first game of the year, so much more interesting because Arkansas has enough talent. No, they're not Florida. They're not Alabama. They don't have that kind of talent. But they're still an SEC team. And those flaws from Georgia don't really get hidden against an SEC team in the opener like they would against a, a Georgia State or whoever. Yeah, you, and I think you saw that in no better example than Mississippi State. Not just beating LSU, but... I guess I would put it like really beating LSU. It, it wasn't some fluke. I didn't watch that game and say, oh man, Mississippi State, they they recovered this crazy fumble and this and that. No, they just went out and, and they just beat LSU. Just straight up, one by double digits, took it to them. Yeah, they made and some mistakes and let LSU hang around. I mean, they they did. They Yeah, they didn't get the, the benefit of the, the ball bounce their way type deal. They just flat out beat them. Yeah, I did. That was easily, obviously, the most impressive upset from yesterday. You know, the Nash, the, <laughs> the former national champion going down is always a big story. But uh, on on the whole, just exactly what you're saying, it was such a great test to open every single season for every team with an SEC matchup because usually it's only like one or two teams at most does that. And I, man, I I could not be more impressed by what I saw yesterday. And even the small crowds, the small crowds seem loud. You uh, you heard it last night on the SC game when it came down to crunch time, Tennessee going on some of these final drives. It was loud to, to the point, to the extent that it, it messed Tennessee up a, a little bit. Uh, and so like if you, if you never showed me a single crowd and you didn't show me the coaches with face masks on, it feels like a, a normal football Saturday, except an even more awesome one because it was nothing but SEC matchups. Yeah, it was. it's nice to see some fans at games. I mean, MLB hasn't had any fans at games. The NBA is in the bubble. Some A lot of NFL teams don't have fans. So it's nice to see that in, in college football and the SEC because that's really part of what makes college football so special. And when you see the crowd shots, it's really the only time you realize it because like you said, it didn't, it didn't sound any different. Uh, the crowd shots kind of looked like the fourth quarter of an Alabama blowout where the whole the whole crowd's left. But it's just nice to see some fans sitting there. And eventually it'll, it'll be full again. This is a nice start to getting back to where we need to be. Just to see people in a, in a meaningful moment in a game. You know, if, if someone's kicking a, a big-time field goal, you see, they'll, they'll do that behind shot straight through mm -hmm. the goalposts, and you you see the crowd. Like if they make, if it's a home game and the home team makes a big field goal, you see all of the fans behind go, yeah, in that slow mo shot. In the NFL, you know the the Titans won on a big time field goal last week, and it was in Titan Stadium, and you get that shot, and the stands are empty, and it's eerie, and it's weird. Just being able 
to see people's reactions in the stands to things like that. It's refreshing. It's it's nice. I yeah, uh, you can't have a college football game without sad college football fans. Ex- exactly. Got to get that surrender cobra, or else is it really <laughs> college football? Um, but we, I, I think we could rave about that all day. Let's get straight to the business here. Tennessee goes into South Carolina in this extremely weird environment, weird season, weird. Uh, fall practice where you had players having to sit out and all, all of these different uh, adversities and they win. It was extremely ugly. 31, 27. I said, Tennessee had to score 24 points to win. Turns out it would have been 28, but close enough. Um, and they, th- the final score 31, 27 pretty much tells the story of how back and forth this game was, how in the mud it was. This was a close, ugly, rusty matchup of two teams who had a weird off season and, and we're just duking it out. But I, I think the better team won yesterday and it was exciting to see. Yeah. I don't, I mean, it's an ugly win. Yes. It, there's a lot of stuff Tennessee needs to fix. There's a lot of problems that we saw, but this is a huge win for Tennessee. Absolutely massive. Especially when you think about how they started the year last year, kind of not ready missing an important player in Daniel Batuli in the season opener last year. They go down to Georgia State. Yesterday was kind of a similar situation. You're you're missing Darrell Middleton, who doesn't play, who's one of your most important defensive linemen. And then Sean Schamberger in the secondary, who you obviously missed at times yesterday. His that absence was, was very weird. noticeable. So you have those two players gone. You're playing an, uh, an SEC opponent on the road, you said the fans are still making an impact, even though it's not a full stadium. That's a game that Tennessee typically does not win. And yesterday, this is how I know Jeremy Pruitt is on the right track and how I know that he's kind of changed the vibe around the program. Yesterday, in the closing moments of that game, I didn't have this sinking feeling like this is going to slip away. Now, I wasn't positive Tennessee was going to win, but I kind of felt confident that they were going to pull it out somehow. In previous years, beginning of last year at the end of the BYU game, I had that sinking feeling like this, I know where this is going. I've seen this before. But this team's proven that they know how to close, and they've done it seven times in a row now. Yeah, so a couple of years ago, the National Predators, I'm a big Predators fan, they won the President's Cup, which means they had the best record in the NHL. They won the regular season. And that year, it didn't matter if they were down – by three goals with two minutes left, you always thought they were going to win because they just found ways to win. It was the it was so great cheering for a team like that. And this Tennessee squad with Jeremy Pruitt is getting a similar feeling to me where I go, oh, it looks like they might blow it, but they haven't been blowing it. They, they've, they have gotten into these situations in these close games. And I think back, I think the most quintessential example is the Kentucky game last year. Mm-hmm. They had to hold. They had to. They had to dig deep and make a goal line stand on you know fourth down at the two yard line, and they did it. And it's been this really impressive thing, where with Butch, the entire story was that he could never close out, and now with Pruitt, uh, you wish I definitely wish he would just make it easier. Just win by twenty, I'll be happy, <laughs> you know. But he, the team, they, they make it hard on themselves sometimes, but they pull it out. And that has been such an unbelievable change 
with uh, with Pruitt at the helm, and and it feels good as as much as I kind of look sometimes when things get tight, and I say, oh man, I don't know if I want the you know the ball in Jared Garantano's hands. This is not the ideal situation. I do what you're saying there. I definitely go. They've been here before. They've done this. They've closed it out. Let's see what happens. Rather than having this absolute doom and gloom feeling. Um, and so I, it's, it's exciting to have them kind of turning that corner. Seven wins in a row now. Longest winning streak in the SEC now that uh, LSU. In the Power Five conferences, I believe. Yes, yeah, that's true. I think it's, it's third in FBS football, but the longest winning streak in all Power Five. That's, it's impressive. I, it's honestly a testament to how tough Power Five football is that nobody has a winning streak longer than seven right now. And most of those have been SEC games, too. Yes. Uh, basically, all of them, but one? Uh, yeah, I think. Yeah, they, they played somebody back in November. UAB, maybe? Yeah. Some in some Indiana in the bowl yeah, game. But uh, it's, well, not, you know, that was still Power 5. So yeah. it's, it's an impressive streak that Tennessee is on, and it's great. It's a little frustrating that we look and we say, Tennessee's won seven straight games, and I don't know if they're they're a great football team. <laughs> That's the that may be the toughest part. Tennessee did not play well last night. They didn't. So many mistakes. Obviously, you have a lot of that first game, the the first game jitters, the first game rust. You have those elements that we've already mentioned, where they had this weird fall fall camp, where you had players getting into isolation because of contact tracing, all that stuff. Um, but. But to rally up and, and win that game last night showed a lot of grit, and that's great. Grit's not going to do it against uh, Florida. <laughs> it's just that's the case. It's not going to do it against Alabama. You got to get better. And let's just go ahead and let's start at the, at the ultimate who needs to get better. Jared Garantano, man, he didn't even look an iota better from last season. And that's that the was same guy. <laughs> so disappointing. And, I mean, in some sense, he looked worse. Throwing off of his back foot constantly. Missing open receivers. When he, so often, Cheney drew up great plays last night. A lot of really great plays. Got sprung guys wide open. And he just misses. He throws it way over their head. Or throws it, he's, I, I've noticed this exact thing. When he can throw a laser to one spot, he, he will hit that most of the time. You know, it's... Like if he if it's just I I just have to throw it to this stationary guy he can make that throw but if someone is streaking across the middle it's going to be behind the guy if if someone if if he's having to throw it over a back shoulder throw it's just going to be either over his head it's going to be inaccurate and man it's infuriating because he makes the right decisions he does most of the time he does he's not taking I mean he takes sacks he's not panicking and throwing you know we we hate that he takes the sacks because i feel like sometimes he misses open receivers and this and that but he's not forcing something he's not panicking throwing the ball into the defender's hands and pitch six or something he's making he's he's finding the guy he needs to throw the ball to the guy that cheney gets open he just can't execute it and he's look you know the the meme i know everybody's seen it where they're painting the clown face i mean that's how i felt last night about myself all off season, like Garantano's going to be better. He has to be better. <laughs> Second year, I was like, "You, you're a fool. Why, you know better? 
It's the fifth year. You know better than to expect anything different from him because the problems you mentioned, throwing off his back foot, he's going to throw high every time he tries to do that. And it's it's frustrating to watch. It just makes you wonder how bad the other – not how bad, but just how not ready the other quarterbacks on the roster are because Pruitt is a very smart football guy. Jim Chaney, very smart football guy. The whole staff, very intelligent. They have great resumes. They've coached great players, and they still think that he's the best option. I, I said that last night on Twitter. I, I said, I truly believe JG is the best option right now, and that's the worst part. Mm-hmm. That's what makes it terrible, is because how how have you gotten a, a four-star, I believe, if I'm remembering correctly, a four-star in Brian Maurer, a three-star in JT Shroud, and both of them have had uh, some real time to develop. You have a five star in Harrison Bailey in the wings, and you can't do better than a guy throwing off his back foot and air mailing every throw. Like, come on, really, really. This is there's not a guy who can make those simple throws. And it's I it's think they can. I think Shrout and Maurer can make those throws that Garantano can't. I just think their decision making has to be just terrible in practice. That has, it to, has to be. That has to be it is that Pruitt wants to cut out turnovers so badly that he's willing to have a guy out there who can't make some of these elementary plays, but who won't throw an interception. And I get it. That's probably the right decision. I mean, because if you are you complete a 60-yard touchdown pass, but then you throw two or three interceptions, you're not winning the game. You're not winning the game if you're losing the turnover battle. We all know that. So if Garantano is not turning the ball over, maybe – Gray, Eric Gray springs a long touchdown. Maybe Garantano, like we saw last night, connects on one of those passes because he will connect every now and then. And if you can get a couple of those, maybe it's good enough to win by four points. That's why we're not seeing the 20 the point blowouts that we should be seeing from this team. Yeah, I mean, with a, with a decent quarterback last night who, who can avoid those mistakes and, and make some of those uh, more straightforward throws Tennessee wins by double digits I think that's I'm not sure that's really even in question because I was encouraged by Tennessee's wide receivers yes oh my gosh yes absolutely I I saw exactly what I wanted to see out of out of like Velas Jones Jr he was great returning the football Mm -hmm. and then uh, they they threw him into a jet sweep he he looked fast I don't know that he's a you know a Cordero Patterson total game breaker but he's gonna do what you want him to to do. He's a nice addition. He's the the nice addition they want him to be. At least he looked like it last night. Um, you had R- Ramel Keaton was open a lot. Uh, JG had a hard time getting in the ball. <laughs> His stat line should look much different. Much different. Yeah. And then, then you had Brandon Johnson making a primetime one-handed catch last night. Uh, and and then I think jo- Josh Palmer's your your dude, your, your primary out. And he, he looked good. I He was the guy that you wanted to be your primary receiver went for six catches and 85 yards on the touchdown with Josh Palmer. I mean, that's, that's about right. That, that mm-hmm. looks good. The, the offensive line looked good. They gave Garantano time. They, they opened up holes for, for the running backs. I mean, on that in, until they had the, the terrible false starts on the final drive of the game, the, the big run that was sprung by Ty Chandler uh, on, on the final drive where Tennessee was trying to win before the muff punt, they showed a slow-mo of the offensive line just destroying South Carolina. Like, just 
they were just moving ragdolls out of the way. Like that, that offensive line, they weren't perfect, and Cade Mays will just make them that much better uh, at, at that right guard spot. But they did more than enough to get the job done last night. Eric Gray looked pretty good. Ty Chandler looked good. I mean, this offense is a quarterback away, and it stinks that they can't find the guy. Because that's the only way they're going to beat Florida is offensively. Yep. Um, because Florida's defense is not that great. They're going to have to – but their offense is really good, like we saw yesterday. Scored, I think, 50-some points. Um, yep. They're going to have to to outstore Florida. They're going to have to convert some of these passes that, that Garantano hasn't been able to complete. And if they don't do that, they won't beat Florida. They're not going to beat Florida the way that they played against South Carolina yesterday. It's just – it's not going to happen. No. And – I, I don't think at this point, even even saying something like, well, maybe JG will improve over the season. He's not going to improve. This is no. the guy. This is who you have. It's his fifth year. This is who you have. He's not going to improve. He's going to convert some nice passes here and there that makes you say, why can't you do this all the time? And then he's going to continue to miss wide open receivers and Pruitt's going to continue to harp on him being inconsistent in post-game interviews. Yeah. Yes. And that that's who, that's who you have. That's what you have to deal with at this point. I have... Absolutely no reason to believe that he's going to get any better than what you're seeing. Uh, uh, I guess you just have to hope that Harrison Bailey gets some practice time in uh, yeah. over the next few weeks and really just grasp the offense and understands what Cheney wants to do and doesn't, you know, have any of those true freshman jitters because I don't know. I I, I can't see Garantano being the starter the whole year at this level. Pruitt's going to get frustrated with him yeah it's that's the only hope is that another guy down the line ideally harrison bailey because i think he has the highest ceiling just becomes the revelation that you need him to be that's my only hope for that quarterback situation getting better but we i mean i think we could hawk on that all day and we've talked it into the ground during the (laughs) offseason it just is what it is it's frustrating but but there you go moving to the defensive side of the ball you saw you saw some really good things alante taylor looks like a a, a real uh, uh I, I don't know what you call him a killer I guess is maybe the right the right word he was really aggressive made some really nice plays he's he's coming into form some of those guys Henry Toto pick six looked great did a good job leading the defense but then there were some real problems specifically with the speed on the ball and you you even wrote about this Zach uh Last night, you said, <laughs> we've already talked about one of these two things. I, I believe you said the two things that Tennessee needs to take it to the next level. You framed it somehow like that. You said it was the quarterback position and then this speed off the edge. What were your thoughts? It was just the most noticeable thing I saw. I mean, Tennessee, several times, I think South Carolina's first touchdowns were where I really noticed it. They read the play correctly. They were where they needed to be. They just weren't fast enough to stop it, uh, especially on the edge. And that's where those guys that Pruitt is recruiting, you know, Terrence Lewis, Dylan Brooks, that's where they're going to be really important in the future for Tennessee. The scheme is good. Derek Ansley and Pruitt have coached the players up well. They know what to do. They they didn't look lost. South Carolina was able to beat them a lot on these kind of short slants. I mean, we saw that all night long, those slants over the middle. Shaw Smith ate them alive. Stuff to the flats. Tennessee's just not fast enough to make those plays. They looked 
a little slow to me, which is disappointing because I feel like Pruitt has been, you know, he's had, what, three recruiting classes, I guess. I mean, it's kind of morphing into his team, but I think he's focused so much on getting bigger up front, and they are. They are a lot better in the trenches on both sides of the ball. They they just got to be faster at those defensive end, outside linebacker positions. It's a, it's about that simple. And you said it earlier, they, they did – miss Sean Schamberger, but one guy's not going to change that situation. He'll help for sure. Uh, but one guy is not changing that, that entire problem. And, and one of is, your fastest guys plays like he has no clue how to control himself either with Jeremy Banks. Yeah. Oh man. He, it was a two edged sword with Jeremy Banks last night. He made a couple of extremely stupid personal fouls just totally mindless dumb selfish plays stuff that he was doing before when he was when he was on the team before got you know and then got kicked off now he's back he was doing that stuff back then and he picked it right back up hopefully you can if he sees the weight of those mistakes he'll make those changes and be able to keep a level head more but just dumb a late hit pulling a guy's helmet off pulling a guy's helmet off come on that's foolish um at the same time he was all over the field making some pretty decent plays he he has the speed Tennessee needs he has the athleticism Tennessee needs and there's no really getting around that there there's a reason why he made that dumb specifically the the first of the two personal fouls was a really dumb uh late hit there's a reason why he didn't get pulled after that because then he needs him. And so th- there, there is a lot to like on this defense and they're, they are wanting in some pretty important ways because they just got eaten alive by speed over the middle, man. Shy Smith ate their lunch. <laughs> totally. And we, we said it in the preview. We thought that was going to be the biggest problem, and it really was last night. On any given drive, if they shut down Shai Smith, they shut down South Carolina, and you got a, you know, you were able to force them into a punt. But man, that has to improve. And the tough thing is, it's not like you can coach speed into a kid. You can get them into strength and conditioning, but it's not going to be an overnight. Oh, I clicked. I'm fast now. <laughs> That's not how that works. Um, but you do, you know, Shai Smith was covered uh, a lot last night by Danico Slaughter, who's a true freshman. He just could not handle it. It just was over his pay grade. At the moment, I think he'll get there. Slaughter will get there. I hope he does because that name is awesome, and I want to be able to go, what a play by Danico Slaughter, because that's just a sick name. But uh, it's it's concerning. It is real concerning. I think some of these young guys – that just aren't quite ready to make a huge impact yet. I mean, that's kind of where your speed is. Hopefully they figure it out. There was encouraging things from some of the younger guys. Tyler Barron looked pretty good last night at times. Yeah. Um, he was getting into the backfield, being disruptive. We didn't really get to see a whole lot from some of the other younger guys because they're just not they're not ready to make their debuts and, and stuff in the first game of the year against South Carolina. You gotta you gotta play guys that know where to go and, and hope that they're able to make the play. Sha Smith getting beat over the middle. You know, I don't know a whole lot of what you can do about that. If you're not fast enough to stop that guy and he's a 
fast guy. It's going to be a problem. I mean, that's what he's supposed to do. He he's at South Carolina, so he can beat SEC defenders. Speed against speed type deal. I mean, he's doing what South Carolina wants him to do. There probably aren't many teams that can stop him consistently. Alabama will probably be able to, but beyond that, I mean, sometimes you, you just you got to try to contain that. You're going to get beat sometimes. It's part of football. I mean, you can't expect Tennessee to shut down that guy every drive, but it was concerning. It was the same play over and over and over. I, I tweeted it was like play. me playing Madden. That's what I do on Madden. Same receiver, same play. It works. You just keep running it. You can't it stop was, it. Just that little crossing route, man. They they couldn't stop it. It was hard to watch at, at some points, but you did. There were some really encouraging signs at the same time. I don't, I don't want to just keep dumping on, on DBs. Uh, and some of those shortcomings. DeAndre Johnson looked really good. Had a couple sacks last night. And he's, I was trying, trying to find, is he, is he sophomore or junior? Is, Ooh, I don't Because it doesn't say on the, I, I don't totally remember, and it doesn't say on the box score. Oh, he, oh he's a senior. Wow, I, yeah, I thought all the way back. So. That's like Jeremy Banks being a junior. I mean, you don't. Yeah. You don't think <laughs> it goes by fast. I mean, Alante yeah. Taylor. I mean, he's a junior. These guys. I mean, they've been around now. But it's it's about time to see to see work out of DeAndre Johnson, and that's uh, good good to see. Your your leading tackler was Bryce Thompson, um, purely out of necessity because South Carolina was getting into the second level with a lot of their plays. Uh, Kenneth George Jr. Uh, then DeAndre Johnson, and then Alante Taylor and Henry Toa Toa. Um, but in, in general, I saw a defense that I would say is going to be serviceable against most teams. And that's They know what good. to do. They know what yeah. to do. They're going to recruit speed. They will continue to get faster as they improve. I mean, that's kind of the blueprint here is you improve, you get better recruiting classes, you get those those athletes that you need to be elite. But you can tell they're a very well-coached team. Yeah, they just they got a little work to do to to get faster, and like you said, you can't teach that. You can't, and hopefully there there will be improvement because there are ways to compensate for those sorts of things, scheming, uh, and I'm sure Pruitt and Ansley will be on that this coming week. Uh, but just on, on the whole, against a Missouri, against a Kentucky, against some of those more lower level teams, this defense will probably do, and then you can just look to the offense to score enough points. To win, but what we saw last night—that's not going to do it against Florida. That's not going to do it. Well, I don't know. Georgia stunk yesterday. I wanted to say that's not going to do it against Georgia. It might do it against Georgia. <laughs> Their offense looked pretty, pretty bad. Oh, it was so bad. It, like some of that, some of that early game play was absolutely horrendous. But I mean, Arkansas beat them for two and a half, almost three quarters, pretty much. Yes. I mean, they were the better team until they kind of fell apart there in the fourth quarter and, and gave Georgia. Some, pretty much gave them some points. Yeah, so it may work against Georgia. We'll see in a few weeks. Um, but against uh, against the Florida, against San Alabama, it's not going to cut it. And and that's that's what we want. We want Tennessee to be in that elite level. They're on the outside looking in at the moment. And yeah, I mean, we were expecting six and four, maybe seven and three. Anyway, I mean that that kind of is what I what I still expect after seeing this. They, if Garantano had made some of those plays, they they could beat one of the in Auburn or, or Texas A&M that you don't really expect them to to beat, and maybe they get seven wins. If they get seven and three, with what I saw last night, tremendous job by Pruitt and his staff, and 
absolutely deserving of the extension he got. Sure. And and if I noticed anything from yesterday, uh, the the only teams that I would say I, I count out where Tennessee has a true chance to win as of this moment are, are Florida and Alabama. And that's encouraging. That's good. Auburn looked beatable. Uh, mm-hmm. Definitely. Georgia looked beatable. Definitely. A&M Texas, and definitely did. Oh, my gosh. Whew. They almost, I mean, they just by the seat of their pants beat Vandy last night. And Vandy, I don't want to say it. They have a, a quarterback who, Ken Seals, who, if you watch the highlights, does not look terrible. Tennessee, better watch out. Don't sleep on Vandy. I don't think they're going to be good. But they're going to be better than last year, maybe, <laughs> if that says anything. Which isn't saying much. They sucked last year. But um, nonetheless, yeah, those those are two wins as of this moment from what I've seen. Vandy and A&M are wins. And so that's, uh, on the whole, I, I like the schedule that Tennessee's facing down. But at the end of the day, it's SEC football. Anything can happen. Uh, and and I'll I'll say this before we move on to giving a quick preview of the Missouri game. Your your parting thoughts or anything else you want to mention about uh, about last night's victory? I just can't stress enough how big I think this win is for Tennessee. I mean, I saw a lot of complaining on social media about Garantano, and I get it. I mean, but it, it it's redundant at this point. It is what it is. We've went over it a thousand times. You win on the road in the SEC in a season opener after losing to Georgia State last year. It's progress. It's a lot of progress. Yeah. This Tennessee team is moving where they need to go. They're a ways away, but this is exactly what you wanted to see from Pruitt when he was hired. They slightly improved in 2018. They beat Auburn. Last year, Rocky start. You still win eight games. You go eight and five. Seven-game winning streak. Weird season, I know it's going to be hard to kind of judge what they do based on the final record, but you're off to a 1-0 start. I, I I don't know if Tennessee fans could really ask, realistically ask for much more. I mean, that's the reason they gave Pruitt the extension, because these days you don't you either get an extension or you get fired. There is no in-between. If you have a good coach and you want to keep him, you have to keep giving him a raise, an extension. Doesn't mean that Pruitt has done more than what they've expected. I don't think he has. I think he's done exactly what they hired him to do, and it's pretty encouraging. It it set the exact tone for the rest of the season that you wanted. It you you showed that you have grit and resolve to be able to win a close game. That's great, and it's a close game in the SEC on the road. That's awesome, and and a great sign for the way that the rest of this season might go. And. I mean, I think the only thing that you could ask is, yeah, you just win more decisively and hopefully things sharpen up. One thing about Garantano that I would kind of thought about last night and wonder what, what maybe you think he has great confidence. Is he too confident? Is there, can he, can you be overconfident? Is he so confident that he doesn't see his flaws and what he needs to work on? I mean, he works hard. He's tough. He loves Tennessee, obviously, but his confidence, like the little arrow pull oh, thing last night. I mean, have you watched yourself play? What are you doing? You won that game because of the efforts of everyone around you. Not, I mean, sure, yeah, he made, he made some throws and made some plays, but I'm starting to feel like he's so overconfident that he prevents himself from getting better. I guess I, I would say it's the mentality of a kid who would take the abuse that he's taken 
from Tennessee fans of just a of of verbal lashing week in and week out of just ah this there's got to be somebody better there's you know that's <laughs> has there been a week where that wasn't really the case where he's played i mean even even in the games where he's really come in and kind of saved our butts you can still walk away and be like man he could have played better <laughs> you know well there's a point in almost every single game where tennessee just decides we're running the ball here Yes. Because we don't trust him on this drive. Exactly. That that point came in last night's game, and I don't know how you have a guy. It has to just be such a weird psychology with with JG right now because you have a guy who, yes, in a lot of games that's happened where they just go, we don't even trust you to put this ball in the air. We got to keep it on the ground so that you don't so that you don't overthrow everybody. And And yet, I mean, you're right. He does stick with this kind of hubris. And I just go, where does this even come from? Where are you getting this? It's like, it's bizarre. great that you're winning. That's awesome. But it's it's not like you have not to like all because of you. <laughs> yeah, you have to be confident, obviously. You do. You to, do. To be a good quarterback. But you also have to have this. You have to be able to look at yourself and analyze yourself and know what you need to do to get better. You cannot. I mean, I think about Joe Burrow uh, in the NFL. He's he's 0-2, but he's played pretty well. And he is doing nothing but criticizing himself. The guy's getting hit five, six times a game. In his interview, it's, you know, that's an opportunity to make something happen. I have to be better. And Garantano, I just see him taking a different approach of, you know, look at me. We won 1-0, shut the haters up type deal. It's like, dude, you should have won by 20. And they would have if you could hit an open receiver. It's really weird. That's a great point. I'm glad you brought it up. Because it, it is really strange. Because all in the same breath, you can say, he, he is the biggest thing this team needs to improve. Also, Tennessee does not win without him. <laughs> it's a super weird juxtaposition. And... And it has created this strange psychology where he has great confidence, even though he he really underperformed last night. And it I, you can't you can't fix it at this point. That's that's a complete that's the stance I'm taking until I see otherwise. Yeah, you can't no. you just can't fix it at this point. And I think it. I hope this is not the case, but I could definitely see it being the case. The reason that he's not getting better is because he has that that hubris is that he goes like, well, what I'm doing is we're winning. I mean, I, like I said, I hope that's not the case, but there's a lot of evidence to suggest that it is. Um, so, just write it out and uh, accept it, and there will be a new quarterback next year. I assume. <laughs> Technically, he could come back. <laughs> As of right now, we'll see if that actually comes to fruition. But <laughs> I, I don't think he wants that abuse for another year. I can't Surely see it. Not. I mean. I don't know. He's I I I don't think it would happen, but it is Tennessee, so it would not shock me. I would not be I would just kind of be like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. You know what was my my favorite stat from last night and I just now noticed this. <laughs> this is passing passing leaders for Tennessee. Just thinking about JG. Jerry Garantano, 19 completions for 259 yards. Paxton Brooks one completion for two <laughs> yards. 
<laughs> no interceptions. He did. I mean, he didn't throw a pick. I'll give him that. <laughs> yeah, his stat line will. His career stat line will always look pretty nice if he stops yes. it there. He he is a one hundred percent accuracy passer, and you can't take that away from Paxton Brooks. <laughs> It's like a baseball player that just uh, a position player just thrown in a game and just to pitch a one two three inning. <laughs> hey, it's you, you take the opportunities that you get, and, and Paxton did last night. Uh, but that I think that's for, for the most part we covered most of the angles uh, of that game. Missouri comes up next week in Neyland Stadium. Frankly, this things fall perfectly here for Tennessee. Um, you, you're building your momentum with a win over South Carolina. You, you, you probably have some confidence after that victory. And it's, I will say it's hard to judge Missouri off of yesterday's game. They played Alabama and they got destroyed from beginning to end. I mean, it was never even close. Um, the, the only time they ever scored was in the fourth quarter when Alabama literally put in all of their like third string nobodies. And all of their third-string nobodies are all five-star players. <laughs> yeah. But they're freshmen. <laughs> um, and so it's hard to judge whether you say, like, did Alabama, you know, wipe the floor with them because they stink or because Alabama is just excellent. I think it's a good amount of both. Um, Missouri did not look great. At the same time, you have some interesting stats out there where Sean Robinson, their starting quarterback, he went 19 for 25 for 185 yards and a touchdown. That is the most accurate. Uh, I forget the exact stat that I saw, and I, oh, I don't even know where I could find it. it. It was something like the most accurate first game from a Missouri quarterback since 2000. So that's something. But he certainly didn't look like a world beater yesterday. But did he look not look like a world beater because Alabama is ridiculously good? I'm not totally sure. I think that's probably the case. This is a game that I think will be very similar to the South Carolina game. Missouri is going, and they did it kind of with Alabama yesterday, and they got some first downs. They strung together some first downs. I think they had like 20 first downs yesterday, which is impressive. They just weren't able to finish. Alabama is just too good. But I think you'll see a lot of short crossing pattern type routes from Missouri. It's kind of what they did yesterday that kind of maybe opens up the field for some more explosive plays. And we saw how Tennessee struggled with those plays yesterday. So I don't think it's a game that Tennessee is going to win in blowout fashion unless Garantano, you know, connects on some of those open receivers. I think Missouri will give them some fits. I think they'll hold on to the ball for a while. Uh, Sean Robinson can run a little bit. Alabama was able to stop that. Can Tennessee? I don't know. I mean, that's that's kind of that's what the game will come down to. I mean, I, obviously, I expect Tennessee to win. They're the better team. They're more talented. It's a new coach in Missouri. They're kind of finding their new identity. Definitely a game Tennessee could win, should win, but I, I could see it being closer than Tennessee fans would be comfortable with. Yeah, the, this play – sorry, this game uh, – is a win on paper pretty much at every position. Um, But Missouri, I I would say a serviceable quarterback. It seems like Sean Robinson, he might be okay. Colin Hill was okay with South Carolina. He did pretty good. That's the best I could say. He's all right. I think that's how Sean Robinson will probably be. You have players still at Missouri who have 
given Tennessee problems in the past. Larry Roundtree the third has run on Tennessee some in, in previous years. You have Jalen Knox at whiteout, Tyler Beatty at whiteout. Uh, Tyler Beatty, he, he had one catch for 54 yards yesterday, but it was a, a pretty uh, impressive play. And so th- there are definitely some guys that are going to give Tennessee problems in this game. I'm, I'm right there with you. I think Tennessee grinds it out and wins. If JG connects more on those simple plays, then Tennessee should win by 14. I, I would say, you know, for 14, yeah. 17, somewhere in there should win. They're going, I think Tennessee's defensive line is going to have some chance chances to really make an impact. Missouri's offensive line didn't look that great yesterday. A lot of inexperience. I think they've been dealing with some injuries. They're going to be able to live in the backfield. Now, how does Missouri combat that? I imagine we'll see lots of screens again, some scrambling. Tennessee's going to have to realize that just because they're able to get to the quarterback, Missouri's probably expecting that to happen. They're probably going to game plan against that to kind of offset Tennessee being able to get pressure on the quarterback. And that that stuff can give Tennessee trouble. I mean, we've seen it over the years. We've seen it some yesterday. They've got to be able to to contain those plays when it's third and 12. You can't give up a first down on a screen pass or, or a quarterback making something happen with his legs. If they can stop those situations, which I think there'll be quite a few of, then yeah, I could see them winning by two or three scores. Yeah, the the main difference I see is I, from what I saw yesterday, Missouri does not have that, that Shy Smith player who just – you know that he's a, ma- a matchup problem for most guys. Like he's just—he's probably an NFL player, and he's going to give you total fits. They don't really have that—that that guy, at least not from what I've seen. Even even with Sean Robinson, the things that I've said, I looked on Twitter last night to kind of get a feel for how Missouri fans uh, felt about his. Are, performance. are there Missouri fans on Twitter? Strangely, there are <laughs> a few. It wasn't a ton. It certainly was no vol Twitter. Um, but the, it was actually uh, a little split because uh, apparently Missouri, you know, like I said, in the fourth quarter, they got down and they put in Connor Bazelak. I'm not sure exactly how to say it. B-A-Z-E-L-A-K. Uh, forgive me. I don't cover Missouri. But um, they, they put him in and there was definitely some sentiment from Missouri fans where they were like, this guy looks better than Sean Robinson. I don't see it in the stats. He He threw... He had a 50% completion percentage, 7 of 14 for 68 yards, no touchdowns. I, you know, uh, but I admittedly, I didn't watch that game in garbage time. Not yet. I, hopefully I will this week. Um, but it, it just, that game was going on during better games. <laughs> so <laughs> that's, that just is what it is. But um, it, so there is some split there among th- Missouri fans, they they weren't extremely impressed with Sean Robinson. But like I said, I, I think it's going to be kind of a Colin Hill situation where whoever they put back there, you're going to go, oh, he's okay. Yeah, he's, he's, you know, he's yeah. about what I thought. And Colin Hill looks completely different without Shaw Smith on the roster. I mean, totally <laughs> almost half of his. Yeah. Pro- I mean, literally almost half of his production was to one receiver. I mean, yeah, final score is probably way different without Shaw Smith. I mean, I think, what was it, 100, 140 yards of Shai Smith or something? Like, yeah. that was his guy yesterday. And 
And I'm sure there is going to be somebody that steps up for for Missouri and gives those DBs problems because Tennessee should be able to outscore them pretty. Should I mean Eric Gray should be have a lot more room to run against Missouri. I mean Will Muschamp. I know South Carolina is not not Alabama out there defensively, but Will Muschamp usually has a usually has a pretty good defense on the field. He's he's pretty tough to score against typically. Uh, Eric Gray and Ty Chandler. I imagine we'll see some pretty big runs from one or both of those guys. I really hope so, and that's that's what I'll really be looking for. Because if you say JG's not getting better, you just got to deal with it. Then you got to hand the ball off to Ty Chandler and Eric Gray, and that offensive line was moving guys around. They they certainly weren't perfect, and they allowed a couple sacks against South Carolina, but. On the whole, they should be able to take it to Missouri for the most part and and open up some nice lanes for these running backs. And I hope that we do see big performances out of those guys. It would be great if you can just kind of eliminate the the problem throws for JG, keep it on the ground, uh, pound it. And I I hope that's the way it goes. I hope I really hope Cheney doesn't get too cute because like he saw it he last does night. tend to do that. I mean that's he does man. And I like, love I, the Cheney being there. I mean, the, that is the guy that needs to be leading Tennessee's offense. It was a great hire. I, I mean, I'll never, never argue that, but that's always been the knock on Cheney. And Georgia fans said it when when he was there and they were playing well. I mean, in twenty what twenty seventeen is that the year they went twenty eight? I can't remember. Uh, yep. But yeah, they've Cheney's always been that way where he just kind of forgets that the running backs exist. And there were times last night where Tennessee needed to have the ball on the ground, uh, especially there towards the end of the game. And we, uh, I think they Tennessee took what 55 seconds or something off the clock there when they put the ball in JG's hands. It's like, why are you not running the ball? You, you can I, gain yards on the ground. I was screaming at my TV <laughs> where I was like, what are you doing? What is this? Stop it. Because I, I do think, I mean, I think Cheney was sort of thinking, oh, they're certain we're keeping this on the ground, so I'm yeah. going to go to the air. Well, you don't have a guy who you can rely on to go through the air. And I, I don't know. I'm projecting. Good. I don't know if Cheney was actually saying that. It but has it to seemed be. that way. Hey, but he's so good at getting guys open. He really is. Cheney he is. is uh, he's a pretty much an offensive genius when you think about it. He He's... One of the first guys that really spread the ball out in the SEC. He's a smart guy, and he knows he can get those guys open. He just has to realize that he does not have a great quarterback back there. He has to understand that. I'll I'll just say this uh, an an analogy an analogy of what is it where letters stand for words acronym like I, acronym not like I you know talk for a living and wrote for a living <laughs> for a little while. Um, kiss keep it simple, stupid. That's it, you know. I don't. You, you know, you hear that in elementary school or whatever. Just keep it simple, stupid. Don't overthink it. Don't get too cute. Do what's working. It's it's like with the Tennessee Titans. I loved uh, before the first game. Uh, Mike Rabel wore a mask into the stadium. I think it said, "Just give the ball to Derrick Henry." It said yeah. something like that, like on his mask. They get it. Arthur Smith gets it, man. Just give the ball to Derrick Henry. Just. Keep it simple. <laughs> Don't overthink it. Do what's working. Uh, and and Tennessee, Tennessee should beat Missouri. So we'll say pred- prediction for that game. 
so that uh, we can, you know, mock ourselves when we're super wrong next week. So uh, what, what are you thinking for Tennessee versus Missouri? Uh, I've sat here and kind of talked myself up now thinking about Eric Gray and Ty Chandler running against that defense. Um, when we started this conversation, I think Tennessee was winning by like 10. But I, I, I'm mm. 35-17. Okay, so so you are thinking that Tennessee connects. and yeah, I think and they can score some points. I mean, they they can score against this defense. It, it's South Carolina's defense is better. You had a week to kind of figure some things out. They'll score more points. Yeah, it, that's pretty similar to what I'm thinking. I, I do think think they'll give up a few more points to Missouri. I'll say I'll say 35-24. Um, you know, you it's still a double digit win, but maybe that last touchdown, it's 28-24 until the final few minutes of the game, then you, you know, you score the clinching touchdown and it's over. Something like that. Write this down We're, so I can review return to this next. Yes, we Cuz I can't remember what were our predictions for South Carolina? I think I had mine, like twenty four seventeen, maybe. Mine was twenty one seventeen. I do remember that. Uh, I, I was twenty one seventeen because uh, I said Tennessee needed to score uh, twenty four points to be sure they won. Like I said, they needed twenty eight, but uh, so I was wrong, <laughs> as always. I'm almost always wrong with these score <laughs> predictions. It's never, it's never usually accurate. Yeah, it was more high scoring than I thought it was going to be. That that was the key because I think we both thought it was going to be really sluggish after the weird offseason. And it, well, yeah, you got some of those points coming from the defense there, though. That's true. Pick six for Tennessee. Tennessee only actually scored twenty four offensive points, but nonetheless. Oh, there you nailed it. Then you got twenty, yeah, twenty four offensive yeah, points. They they did. They only needed twenty four offensive points. I'm a genius. I'm a prophet. <laughs> I knew it. Yeah. See, <laughs> only listen to me for all your score predictions, your gambling picks. Um. But that's, I think that's it. We, we, we pretty much talked it all the way through another exciting week of SEC football coming up, man. I, this, yesterday has made me giddy for the rest of the season where I just go, man, every week is going to be like this. That's just yeah. going to be this awesome set of amazing SEC matchups and weird, weird games. Just things. The apple cart has kind of been turned over. LSU is not the same. Georgia is not the same. You you're gonna have more parity. This is gonna be a fun season. I, oh, I yeah. think as, as long as everybody stays healthy, that's the key. I, I say let's do. You know, Nick Saban wants the nine game conference schedule. No, let's go ten game conference schedule. Do it. Two games against Power Five opponents, and let's make it fun for everybody every week. Yeah, if everybody does better. that, it will equal itself out. You you will see more eight and four seasons, but it'll be much more entertaining. I hope it happens because it, it yeah, probably it, won't happen. Probably not. If we're being totally honest with ourselves, uh, but it should, this is direct evidence that it should. Oh, and I'll finish with this. Hey, Greg Sankey, let Cade Mays play football. You dummy. Even though hate again, but thanks Greg for making football happen at the same time, at the same time. Thank you. But also let Cade Mays play. And if you're not going to let him play, at least let him know. Yes. Give him give him one way or the other. Say no and end this. But he should obviously be allowed to play. Come on. Doesn't even count. This year doesn't even count. It's stupid. Stupid. But that's it. This has been the Big Orange Podcast. I'm Charlie Burris. That's Zach Reagan. We'll give you another review and preview 
next week. We hope you enjoy it again. Subscribe on the A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed on iTunes and Spotify at Charlie underscore Burris at Zach TNT at A to Z Sports, A to Z Sports Nashville.com, yada, 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 blah, blah, blah. This was a lot of fun. I, dude, I'm hyped. I can't wait to talk more SEC football this year. Tons of fun. Now, Tennessee, you just, you just got to go out and win. Win these games. Let's go beat Missouri. That's it. We'll talk to y'all next week. See you guys later.